Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So we have been um, uh, launching the year with a theme, uh, so much as a, um, a, you know, a scripture that we're launching ourselves off of, which is Matthew 6.33, and it is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I'm just going to add another little layer to this today and reinforce some of the brilliant messages that we've already had here. Um, It's good to have reinforcement, isn't it? Makes you stronger. Think of all the things you reinforce. It's to make them stronger. We want to come out of this stronger. What what does seeking God first look like? It's prioritising God's kingdom and his righteousness as our highest value in all we do and all we are becoming. Not just what we do, but who we're becoming. The dominant theme of Jesus' teaching is the kingdom of God. Jesus presents numerous word pictures of what this supernatural realm is like. In Matthew 13, 44, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He covered it up. He was like, blimey, look what I found. Not letting anyone else get hold of that. And he covered it up and off he toddled. In Matthew 13, 45, 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. I've got my pearls on this morning. I put the large ones on today just because it was mentioned in my message. Pearls, (laughs) pearl necklace, yes, bought for my birthday. So it's a pearly kind of a morning. And he's in search of fine pearls. And on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. I love these two scriptures. And while I was writing them down, I had this big flashback of when we very, very, very first started the church. And we were over in the ECU uh, University in the lecture room there. And Fiona Stocks and myself ran the kids' church. Uh, It was mostly my kids in it, but (laughs) there was a scattering of the children um, in those early days. And we bought these scriptures out and we got together and we said, oh, let's do a pirates and princess party. Let's get the kids to come dressed up. The girls can be princesses and the boys can be pirates. Let's get a treasure chest. Let's load it up with costume jewellery. And let's tell the story of the treasure. And so off we went. And Fiona and I, the closest thing to princess dresses that we had in our wardrobe was our wedding dresses. (laughs) And so Fiona and I rocked up in our wedding dresses. I wish, I wish, I wish I'd found the photo. I'm so sorry, but I couldn't find the photo. I spent a lot of my week going through photographs just to find this one photo. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? I'm going to find it after this service. Yeah, it's going to suddenly be there. It's one of those classic things of, I'm going to put this in a safe place, and now I don't know where the safe place is. 
I do it with Carol's receipts every time, you know. I'm going to put this in a safe place and then I don't know where the safe place is and a couple of years later I go, oh, that was my safe place. Anyone else with me? And so, so Fiona and I put our wedding dresses on and we were princesses. We had to sit in the praise and worship in our wedding dresses before we took the kids out. I know, all for Jesus, all, all for building God's house. And I just was reminiscing, I was chuckling. We had this lesson, we got the kids all sitting around the treasure chest and we bought out all the fake jewellery, etc., the costume jewellery, and then in the treasure chest was the Bible. It was the greatest treasure of all time. And we wanted the kids to know that this book is treasure to your heart, is treasure to your life. And when you get this stuff in you, it will change you and it will launch you and it will fill you and empower you for the Kingdom of God. Now, all that reminiscing, I I stopped and I just thought to myself, goodness me, Fiona Stocks. Shout out to Fiona Stocks because she was with us. Before you really clap hard, I'm, I'm going to invite Fiona to come to the stage. She wasn't in the last service, but she's in this one. And I would really like to honour Fiona because we're celebrating 25 years. Fiona Stocks and I ran the junior church together for that many years, but she is still in there, still impacting children, still caring for children, still coming alongside parents, doing above and beyond. She's full of wisdom. She's quietly in the background. Well, sometimes she's quiet and sometimes she's not and that's okay we need both she's she's been an absolute godsend to this house and absolutely where are you Fiona have you started making your way here I'm, I'm rambling so you can come come on Fiona let's give Fiona a hand You know I love you, but I want to thank you so much. Oh dear, you're going to make me cry now. <laughs> we've had so many laughs and we've, we've seen so many kids come through and love God and serve God. Not least my kids. You've had an impact in my boys' lives over that. You, Fiona was the only honest one that would come up and say, I'm sorry, Pastor Sue, but we've had to chase Jordan round the pond again. And um, <laughs> could you have a word with him? But I was just literally having a flashback as I read that scripture and I thought, Fiona, you're an absolute gift to this house. You're a gift to me. I've enjoyed every minute. Not that you're going anywhere. Don't go anywhere, but no. <laughs> Fianne, we want to honour you this morning. 25 years in Global Heart Church, way back there in the, um, in the university, and it's just been a joy. And I wish, when I find that photograph, I'm going to blow it up, frame it, and we'll have a copy each, and we will just remember that um, there's treasure in God's Word. There's treasure in God's house, but there's also treasure in God's people, and you're one of those people. And, to, and I've bought you a pearl. <laughs> Of reasonable price, not great, (laughs) according to my budget. So there's a little card and a pearl, and I've got my pearl on, and we've got some flowers for you, and we honour you this morning. Let's give it up for Fiona.
not going to offer Fiona the microphone because as time would have it and uh, we'd probably get on a roll. But please take your seats, everyone. And if Fiona's had an impact in your life, yeah. in your kid's life, yeah. go and show us some love. You can pin money on her if you like. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got that love language, haven't we? The kingdom of heaven is not merely understood with the mind, but with the heart. It is a spiritual kingdom, therefore it must be entered by spiritual means and practical living. It's both. It's spiritual and it's practical. If you didn't hear Pastor Div's message on the practicalities of the kingdom of God being exercised in the workplace, I highly recommend it to you. It was absolutely brilliant. And, and I texted Div because the next day I was doing a few mundane jobs. And I suddenly remembered the message and I thought, am I doing this as unto the glory of God or am I just kind of... And, uh, and I found my brain just switching to, I'm going to do this for the glory of God and got the old vacuum cleaner out and was cleaning. And I thought, yeah, I probably do clean a bit half-heartedly, but now I'm going to do it as unto the Lord and I'm going to... So um, it was a really great message. And so as the story of Treasure and Pearls illustrates, the kingdom of God requires our highest commitment, our first. It is worth more than any other pursuit. We need to be willing, we need to be ready to forsake, let go of, leave behind, surrender any personal goals that hinder us entering the kingdom. We need to meditate. What is meditate on uh, daily on Jesus? What is meditate to focus, to think about, to dwell on, to consider, to reflect, ponder, ruminate? Did anyone ruminate this week? You chew on the Word of God, you swallow it, and it pops up again, and you chew on it again, and down it goes. A lovely image, isn't it? It's a lovely image. Say to your neighbour, make sure you ruminate on the Word of God this week ruminate. This is a daily thing. This is not an occasional thing because when the Word of God is forefront in your mind, everything changes. Everything perspective changes and I'm reinforcing that which we've already touched on with seeking the kingdom first. And when we do this, the treasures that are found in the Word of God, the desire in our heart, the excitement, the hunger. If you didn't hear Pastor uh, Lauren's message on Friday about hungering and thirsting for the things of God, I recommend that to you. But when we get stuck into the Word of God and when we put it forefront, we hunger, the passion increases. Sacrifice somehow is so much richer. And there's an enthusiasm and we become more fruitful, more productive, and we unlock the kingdom in ourselves which in turn unlocks the kingdom potential in others if we're all bound up and the kingdom of God is not in the forefront of our lives and our thinking and the the way we're living our lives how is it going to attract other people Um, the kingdom of God when we're seeking it first attracts other people um, to Jesus Jesus chose ordinary, fallible human beings to be his disciples. He's still doing it today. Uh, We are ordinary folk. And I just thought, I wonder what we mean by ordinary. It means normal. Anybody normal here? It's all right. Don't put your hands up because, you know, we don't know where we're going to go with that. And it also means common. 
It means if you're ordinary, you're normal and you're common. And, you know, my little old English nan, she, I, I just was thinking of her when I was writing this down because, uh, you know, she used to say, oh, I can't believe that the king has married a commoner. Oh, she's so common. She's not from royal blood, you know. And um, she would always say, oh, I wouldn't talk to them. They're very common. But we were common. I think she was in denial. She was doing a, a Mrs. Bouquet. She was, you know, she was Mrs. Bucket, but she wanted to be Mrs. Bouquet. And then sometimes she would use words like she'd say, oh, look, aren't we posh? Which meant we were a couple of notches up from being common. We were now posh. And this was, this was the English way. Any British people here? Yes, we know all about that distinction, don't we? Posh and common and... And the disciples were fallible. What does that mean? We're all fallible. It means that we're capable of making mistakes. We're capable of being wrong. We're likely to not to work satisfactorily because we are imperfect and we are flawed. Welcome to the human race. And Jesus knew this. And the disciples, like people everywhere, wrestled with pride and ambition and Jesus, realising their striving, set a child in front of them. And in Matthew 18, verse 1 to 5, he said this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They were already thinking about position. They were already thinking about who's going to be the best one. Am I going to be the best one? Who are you going to elevate? Who are you going to promote? How do I get to the top? Can you show us why? And Jesus called this little child to him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Do you know, it's our choice. It's our responsibility to humble ourselves. What does that mean? To come under the mighty hand of God, to be aware of our own shortcomings, our fallibility, to become aware of our, to, to be aware of our limitations, our boundaries, our need for help, and more importantly, to learn that we absolutely need God and we need to be dependent on Him. That's how we're designed. We're designed to need God. We're designed to be dependent on Him. He wants a people of His own. He wants sons and daughters that will run to Him and say, Daddy God, Abba Father, and run into His arms. And you know, in these challenging last days on the earth, before Jesus returns for His bride, He is calling His church to maturity. He is calling us all to be childlike and not childish. There's a big difference. He's calling us to be childlike and not childish. As we seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, we're actually pursuing, cultivating, growing in childlikeness in all our interpersonal dealings. How do you say? 
childlikeness. It's a purity of heart. It's a simple agenda. Jesus is our agenda. It's a trusting faith. It is a teachability that we never, ever stop learning, that we never, ever stop yielding and coming before God to ask him things. You have not because you ask not. He wants you to ask him, keep coming to him. Um, Children, they are sincere and straightforward. It's uncomplicated with children. They're just pure and lovely. Um, you know, yesterday I, I was with Micah for a, for a little while and I started singing and I said, and, and the angels cry, holy. And then he stopped me and he said, Nanny, why are the angels crying? <laughs> and I could see that he thought it was a negative thing. And I, oh, uh, well, actually, they're not really crying. They're just singing very, very loud um, that Jesus is holy. Oh, okay then. And he just accepted that and we moved on, you know. But <laughs> it was just like, I just love the purity and the, the literal thinking of children. It's so lovely. Um, I love in children that they're naive. What does that mean? It doesn't mean they're silly, but if someone is naive, the biblical um, translation was a lack of worldly wisdom. And I like that. I like that every so often, I don't know what the latest pop song is. I don't know who's doing the latest concert. I don't know what the latest horror movie is out the movie. I don't know those things. And I'm happy not to know those things because they're not what I want in my life. And I don't want to be savvy with the latest lyric to the latest pop song. I I'm not into that. And I don't want to sound more holy than thou, but I like a bit of naivety. Um, in my life. And children, they are truthful. You know, why, why are the angels crying? You know, and they're vulnerable. They're enthusiastic. They're grateful. They're delighted. They stand in awe of new things. They are blameless. They're innocent. And the list goes on and on with the beauty found in a childlike heart. Now, then we swing to childishness. What is childishness? It is a lack of maturity. It is a lack of growth, a lack of progress. There should be progress, but somehow there's a childishness happening. Um, a modern term is emotional immaturity. You know, it's okay for a two-year-old to do certain things, but when they're 22, 32, 52, 62, it's like, mate, I think it's time to grow up, don't you? There's something that has stopped a person person from progressing. Um, an immature person, a childish person has poor judgment. They're selfish. They're self-promoting. They want to be the centre of attention. Uh, they crave affirmation. Uh, there's poor reasoning. There's a lack of self-control, lack of discipline, lack of poise. They avoid conflict, conflict resolution. They, they end up insecure and competitive. And childish people often have wrong motives. Now, don't think of all the people that you're thinking of. This message is for us. We are looking at the log in our own eye before we look at the speck in others because we all do it. We're all growing up. We're all growing up emotionally and we're all growing up, hopefully, spiritually too. Because Hebrews 5.13 says, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Remember, we're seeking his righteousness. They're not um, acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, 
who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Here we are again, back to responsibility. We're responsible for humbling ourselves and bringing ourselves under the mighty hand of God, bringing ourselves to God in prayer, bringing ourselves to God's Word. And we're also being asked to train by training ourselves to learn right from wrong by constant use. In other words, we've got to engage Uh, in good works so that we can become mature in what is right, what is wrong. How do I live a righteous life? We want to live a righteous life before God by seeking God first. There can be different reasons why someone is immature, either spiritually or emotionally, um, and uh, perhaps childish in their responses to life. Um, and some of the, those reasons do require healing of the heart. Jesus knows that. He knows if you've come from a traumatic background, a, a, an abusive background, that trust has been broken. There might be neglect when you're growing up or um, a lack of example for you to follow. Uh, you may not have been raised in a Christian home um, and growing up. Some of it can be all of that. And God knows that. And we take that pain and we take it to God and God touches us and breathes on us and he brings people into our world to help us and show us what the right way to go is if we've got a little bit of malfunction going on in there. Sometimes it can, we can get stuck because we're just lazy. Uh, we procrastinate. Why do today what you can do tomorrow is what the procrastinator says. But we need to address things. Sometimes we've got blind spots and we get offended when people come up and, and gently, you know, reveal to us our blind spots. But it's all good. It's all to help unlock us and bring us forward from a place of immaturity to a place of maturity. Another reason we can be immature is because of pride. In the theological sense, pride is defined as an excessive love of one's own excellence. The Pharisees were like that. The, in, in, the, you know, in, in one's own excellence. In other words, you're a bit up yourself. <laughs> I felt like I needed to whisper that. So if you didn't hear at the back, just ask someone at the front afterwards what I was saying. By pride, we cut off the blessings of God and we sin against ourselves and God. Pride is self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I can meet my own needs, thank you. I don't need other people in my life. But we weren't designed like that. We were designed to need God and we were designed to need people because there's beauty in that. There's treasure in that. There is wisdom in that. Proverbs 16, 5 says, The Lord detests the proud in heart. Pride finds it hard to come under authority, hard to be accountable. Pride justifies sin instead of confessing it. Uh, pride name drops, resume drops to make themselves seem more important. They like to put people down so that they can look like they're more than that. They can be a know-it-all and they can think more highly of themselves than they ought 
Um, and pride is in opposition to being humble. That's why Jesus brought a child in front of the disciples. Now, again, I'm not having a crack at anyone because um, I think it's Pastor Jared that said sometimes we go to bed humble and we wake up proud again. Uh, we have to watch our pride barometers all the time. I read a funny post and it said, pride is a bit like bad breath and BO. You can't smell it, but everyone else around you can. <laughs> What a horrible example. <laughs> Let's watch our pride. Jesus also confronted the tendency of humankind to associate authority with an exercise of dominance over others. This is not kingdom leadership. This is not the example Jesus gave. The dominion or authority in the kingdom of God that he wants to restore, reinstate, establish, position us in, bring to us is not so that we can, um, can gain control over others uh, or serve our own interests. It's for the purpose of victorious, fruitful living. And this one I love, it's for the purpose of overthrowing hellish demonic powers. That's why God has given us authority, not so that we can boss each other around and judge each other and give each other a hard time. We're meant to lovingly come round one another, lovingly serve one another, because the stuff that's coming against us are principalities and powers of the unseen air. They are demonic, hellish forces that are seeking to bring us down, that are seeking to attack the church, that are seeking to bring down people who are seeking the kingdom of God first. The enemy doesn't like that. He doesn't want you seeking God first. And we have to make sure that we're looking to Jesus, our example of what leadership is, of what discipling someone is, so that we are in the same vein as Jesus, with same spirit and style of how Jesus does it. What is that spirit and style? It's a childlike humility and it's a serving heart. And that is the spirit in which Jesus uh, does things. Um, that is when the authority comes to the believer and enables us and empowers us to be an agent, an ambassador, a disciple of God's kingdom power as we humbly serve God. And we love the example, of course, um, in John 13 where Jesus is getting ready to go and be a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. He is willingly going to that cross and he is preparing and he's having a Passover meal with his disciples. And he takes, I'm fast forwarding the story, but he, he bends down and he washes the disciples' feet and um, in preparation for the Passover meal. And Peter says, Jesus, what are you doing? washing my feet and um, it, Peter's a little embarrassed by it and the conversation goes something like this that Jesus says listen I need to wash your feet I need to wash you every day you need to come to me every day it's a tough world out there it, your feet are going to get dirty your heart's going to take a bashing and you need to come to me every day we don't go to Jesus every day uh, so he can tell us all the things we did wrong and how dirty we got and how 
you know, all the rest of it. We come to him so he can clean us, so he can wash our feet, so he can show us that I'm with you. I'm with you. I am your Lord and I am your Saviour, but I'm also with you. I am on my knees washing your feet. Come to me and let me wash your feet. Let me remind you of how loved you are. Let me remind you of how much you need me to do this thing called life. Let me come to me every day so I can reassure you. And I'm not going to read that whole story there for the sake of time, but, but... There is this conversation and here is this example that Jesus says, I've come for you. I've come to equip you, empower you, wash the dirt of this world off of you so that you can go forward, so that you can mature, so that you can grow, so that you can take hold of those things that the enemy is trying to throw at you. And with my authority, with the authority of Jesus, you can push back the enemy. And I want us this morning to do a little bit of a check up from the neck up. I want us to look at ourselves and address and confess areas of immaturity. And that could be spiritual and emotional. You could still be on spiritual milk. You still need the reassurance that God loves you. You still need 101 reassurance. There's nothing wrong with that, but we need to move on from that so that you can really get out there and do some exploits for Jesus. And if it's an emotional thing, um, you know, where you have had um, a, a background that has that has got you stuck emotionally. I'm from that kind of background. I mean, um, you know, sometimes I look at myself and I think, am I being childlike or childish? And I think it's probably both. It's probably both, especially when I ride my hobby horse past certain individuals' offices, but that's an in-house joke. But um, yes, that's all right. I'm not going to go there. But um, we want a little bit of cheeky in there, don't we? We want to say, but But when we're talking about maturity spiritually, maturity um, emotionally, the two really are quite entwined together. And so we need to address things. We need to address and confess immaturity. Should we be further along in our relationship with the Lord? Should we be further along in how we are uh, engaging in the, the assignments that God has got for us? Who, who can he trust with those assignments? Who, who can he call on who is ready and armed up, ready to go? We need to lay down our pride. We need to change our minds. We need to repent from being independent from God. It's not a noble thing to try and do things without God. It, it's not clever to see how many plates you can spin before you call on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're meant to go to him first and then spin a few plates and you'll find it's a lot easier. You haven't got so many plates and and not so many breakages when we go to God first. We need to rekindle our child likeness by seeking God first to search for the treasure, search for the pearls in his word that will unlock the secrets of the kingdom. There are wonderful things to discover 
And only Jesus has the key. Nobody else has got the key. You know what it's like when you go to a door, a car door or a front door or house door and you've got the wrong keys and you're trying to wedge the wrong key and you really want it to work, but you know it's not gonna. You know you've picked up the wrong keys. You've picked up your hubby's keys or someone else's keys and then you think, oh, it's all right. I've got some spare ones hidden away somewhere. You get this and then you realise you didn't put the spare ones there. That's me. It's all right. It's okay, Paddy. We're all right. We can get in. I've got the emergency keys. Paddy, I'm sorry. We don't have the emergency (laughs) keys. And round we go to the next door neighbour. Could we please have our emergency keys? Oh, again, Sue? Yes, again. Thank you very much. Jesus has the right keys. We can think that we are unlocking stuff. We can think we're tapping into the things of the kingdom. We can think that we're doing great with all our good works that we're doing. We're we're scoring brownie points with God. But we're not if we're not seeking the kingdom of God first. Everything we do comes out of being with Him first. We're with Jesus first. We're seeking Him and His kingdom first. And then out of that will come the things that He's got for us to do. Let's stand together. I'm just going to close in prayer. Something in that message has touched your heart or, or, or provoked your thinking. And we're not going to do a specific thing here. I'm, I'm just going to say, if you would just like to, by way of responding to God, put your hands up. I'm just going to do a corporate prayer for us together. Whatever it was He spoke to you about, my hands up to Heavenly Father. We thank You for Your Word. It is powerful. It does bring change. It does provoke us. It does stir us. It does convict us. And that's good because that takes us forward. And this morning we're responding. We're saying, help us, Father, to respond to You when we we recognise pride in ourselves, when we recognise immaturity in us and ourselves, that that we need to progress. We need to grow up in the things of You and in the things of our hearts, that, Father, Your Holy Spirit, we welcome You now to come on in and to help us recognise, to help us respond and that, Lord, You would take us forward. Father, we just thank You so much that You will never leave us, that You are saying something all the time, that You are always at work. Help us, Lord, by Your Holy Spirit to keep leaning in, to keep responding, to keep feeding our spirits every day and that we would seek first the Kingdom of God and you will add these things to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.